0: Thank you, worship team, for leading us. Uh, today is a very special Sunday. Maybe uh, you see it in my face. I'm not stressed at all, and uh, look foot loose and fancy free. That's because I'm not preaching today. Um, there's a, a different thing that I'm nervous about. Uh, uh, no, uh, I, I wanted to tell you. So uh, RJ is going to come and preach in a moment. He's our youth pastor. Uh, We're super thankful to have him. Uh, We were supposed to have him earlier uh, to preach, but uh, the summer got real busy real quick uh, for him and for us. And so uh, this is kind of his introduction to you as a church uh, by way of preaching. Um, We are a preaching church. Uh, We believe the Word of God, and we believe that it needs to be center of all that we do. We need to hear from God. And uh, so as we looked for the next youth pastor uh, after Brandon, uh, we didn't look for just anyone. Uh, we wanted someone we could trust with God's Word. And so uh, that led us to RJ. And we have known RJ, I want to say, since like fourth grade for him. Is that about right? Uh, right around there? Um, and, and I want to tell you that part of what we're doing, and, and I, I know that you know this, so uh, it would be very easy for me to share with you uh, dumb things that RJ did. Uh, growing up it 'd be very, very easy, uh, um, but you know what? Uh, it would be very easy for anyone who grew up with you all uh, to share dumb things that you had done in your growing up, um, and so uh, those kind of go on the cone of silence i 've seen some siblings look look at each other and go if you don 't tell i won 't tell you know okay um, but but I want to tell you that what happens it 's a work of God. That he changes us from being uh, children doing what children do and chasing after uh selfish things uh, to God having his way with people and them not just being lost in their sin but saved by grace, now his servants and so uh, we're thrilled to have r j not just today to preach to us but as uh, the youth pastor uh, to our kids those next generations and as you think of RJ, as you see him out and about and stuff, pray for him. Pray for him as he is kind of a point man for us to rescue families for that year. We we believe that they are worthy to be rescued. That we want to extend our hand uh, to the youth of Tehachapi uh, with the gospel. And so, RJ, come uh, share from God's word to us and with us.
1: Thank you, Kevin. What's that? I was just gonna snag this. This one looks a little bit more solid. There we go. We'll make it. Hey, deal with that. The wires going to worry me. There we go. All right, we'll figure this out. Good morning. My privilege to be sharing from God's Word with you this morning. Uh, I like that intro. Do I get an introduction like that every time? Just one. Okay, one and done. Fair enough. All right. Um, yeah. So as Kevin said, I'm I'm the youth pastor. I'm super excited to be here. I love getting to work with the junior hires and high schoolers. And as I was thinking about what to talk about, it's it's always a little difficult as a youth pastor. It's you don't get to run a whole series. I don't get to run through a whole book. It's you kind of get these one shots every now and then. So I got 66 books and a lot of chapters. And I go, what what do I open to? What do I share from? So. Uh, I was encouraged to share something I'm passionate about, something that excites me, something that uh, I really love. And my, my wife would tell you that I'm, I'm probably too passionate about too many things. Uh, I get too excited about too many things. I, I like to be excited about a lot of things, so I have to reel it back, as I'm sure many of you do as well. You realize I'm a father, I'm a pastor, I'm a husband. Like, I got to focus on those things, so some of those excitements die out. But what excites me in youth ministry? and One of the things that I think of first is the Word of God. And I, I think of discipleship. I think of both of those things. And Those are super, super exciting to me and super important to me as far as what I do and why I do it. So then I'm preparing and I'm looking and I realize Kevin's given me Reformation Sunday. I'm like, man, that's kind of exciting. So part of me then is like, let's do a whole church history lesson and talk about the Reformation on Sunday morning. And you guys would hate me. Um, maybe not. Maybe you like the Reformation. I don't know. Some of you were teasing me for not wearing my, my Reformer T-shirt Um, This Sunday, I I thought about it, almost made it underneath, but it didn't get there. Um, But I I am deeply appreciative of the reformers that have gone before us and what they've done. And I I feel like I have to at least tip a cap to them today uh, because it's been 500 years this Tuesday uh, that Martin Luther nailed those 95 theses to a church door in Wittenberg, Germany. Uh, And that's exciting to me. And I I don't think about just Luther. I think about Huss before him, Wycliffe, uh, Zwingli, Calvin, all all these, you know, John Knox, all of these godly men and women who worked so hard. And as I thought about it in preparation even for today, I go, many of these people died so that we could have the word of God in our own language, so we could own the Bible. And I go, you know, what could be more honoring to that than to ignore them and to open God's word and look at it together this morning? So that's what we're going to do is we're going to look at the Bible. We're going to look at God's word. And I think that's honoring to the 500th year of the Reformation. Um, If you turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 17. And uh, we'll read from 10 through 17. So as you turn there, if you would just stand with me, I'd love to read that passage with you. 1 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 specifically are a beautiful passage talking about the Word of God. Looking at it from 10 going through 17, we look at even discipleship through the Word of God. Please read with me uh, 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 17. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed thank you for your word that we have it that we are able to open it read it and understand it that it's an amazing amazing wonder that you you were able to communicate with us that you were able to stoop down to our level and reveal yourself to us through your word through your son God I thank you for that i pray now as we look at your word that you would speak through it that you would guard my lips from air that your message would go out this morning that we would learn more about you and who you are, that we could become more like you, I pray. Jesus. Maybe seated. So as we look at this passage again, we're gonna focus in on fourteen through seventeen. Um, it, if Kevin was giving me longer, we'd take more, but we'll just we'll just take fourteen to seventeen today. Um, I think one of the first things I have to focus on is really what is the word of God? And when you think of 1 Timothy chapter 3, I think 16 and 17 are probably the two verses that pop into our mind, the soonest, which tell us all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly, may be complete, equipped for every good work. So we look at that, and I I have to pause and stop and say, what is God's word? Because this is all talking about God's word and discipleship through God's word. So what is God's word? What is it that we have in our hand that we hold this compilation of books and of words? Well, the first thing we see is that all Scripture is breathed out by God, is what it says there. Breathed out by God. God breathed. Um, some of your translations may say inspired. Uh, I, I really love the translation here that all Scripture is God breathed. Because that gives us a real good understanding of what the inspiration of scripture truly is, because if we just see inspiration, sometimes we think like we're down at the Getty Museum, and you're looking at a Monet or something, and you're like, he was inspired. And you, you know, you use that word as you look at some picture that looks more clear when you squint your eyes, I think. But nonetheless, uh, we'll use that word there that people are inspired. And, and and it gets confusing. What does it mean to say that the Word of God is inspired? Well, what it says is the Word of God is or the the scriptures are God breathed, and I love that the the idea that it is so intimate that it is the breath of God. Like my words when I speak are my breath coming from my body. Scripture, the Bible, is God's breath coming. So this is inspired. Being inspired is important. To know that God's word is God breathed means that this is authoritative that this has power, that this has meaning, that that we should listen to what the Bible says, what the Word says, what the Scriptures say. What are they telling us? What are they explaining to us? What are they commanding? What are they demanding? What are they saying not to do? What does God's Word say? Because this is the breath of God is what this is telling us Scripture is, the very breath of God. Now, we, we struggle in our culture, I think, quite often with authority. I, I know I struggle with authority. Um, I, I have for a long time, and, you know, there's an old youth pastor here that could attest to that, I'm sure. Um, but even in our society, we struggle w- with deciding where authority comes from. Who holds authority? What is authoritative in our world? Is it feelings? A lot of times I hear that. Well, you know, it's your feelings. Is it your heart? Follow your heart. What What's the authoritative? What determines authority in our world? In our life in your day to day decisions, is it feelings? Is it popular decision? Is it um, the law from the federal government? Like where is the authority coming from in our lives? And what Scripture tells us again here by being God-breathed, I'm, I'm going through this quick, is that this should be our ultimate authority because this is the Word of God, this is truth, this is unchanging. This should be what we submit to. And now there's going to be a fleshly fight. My sin struggles with this, and I fight with this because. Uh, I don't always want to obey the Word of God. Uh, that could be hard sometimes. Uh, I, I could not like that sometimes. But if we truly believe that Scripture is what it says it is, the breath of God is authoritative, and we need to submit to it. So understanding what this is, I think, is very, very important. Understanding what it is that it's inspired. I, I think a 2 Peter one uh, twenty, which tells us, knowing this, first of all, that no pre- Prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own inspiration. For no prophecy has ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along in the Holy Spirit. Again, attesting to the inspiration of Scripture. That it's God that moves man to write down what God wants them to write down and to reveal to us what we need. It's not man's thoughts. It's not man's opinions. This is God's breath this is god's word so knowing what it is what is what do we do with it now if this is really god's word and god revealing himself to us what do we do with that how do we how do we proceed from there like it, it could be good to know like fantastic this is god speaking to us we just set it on the shelf and walk away well paul here in second timothy gives us some instructions in verse 16 saying all Scripture is." breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. But what do we do with it? We learn, we teach, we grow, as all scripture is useful for teaching. So how does this teaching take place? I I love this. As I was looking at this and thinking about it, because there's a, a little bit of a list there. And whenever we read lists, I like to pause and look at them and say, why is this listed out? We see teaching, reproof, correction, training. I go, oh, you know, how are these related? Are these related? What What is Paul trying to explain to us here? What What is God revealing to us? And as I look at teaching, like we're supposed to teach, but how do we teach? How do we teach? And I I, I see some steps here. And I, I think about myself. We've got uh, two crazy little boys, and they're both learning to ride bikes. One just kicked off the training wheels a few months ago. Uh, the other one just hopped on a bike with training wheels. So we've kind of we're kind of going different directions at the same time. Fast, slow, pushing, and we go for walks uh, out on Jamaica Dunes. Maybe you see us there. Uh, I'm, I'm teaching my kids how to ride a bike, and usually it starts starts with some reproof, reproof. Stop, get out of the middle of the street. You know, it's you're doing this wrong. This isn't where I want you. That this is dangerous, and I pull him over to the side and I I, I correct him. I say, Ethan, Wyatt, don't ride in the middle of the street. You're little, cars are big, you're slow, cars are fast. This is going to end poorly. Let me let me, let me, me teach you, let me correct you. Look at this, we got the shoulder over here, kind of where the dirt is. It's fun, you can kick your tire out and make a mess, it's a blast. Right over here, it's safe. So I teach, I'm teaching, I reproof him, I correct him. And then we train him. All right, guys, let's go down to the mailbox. Stay on the shoulder, <laughs> stay on the shoulder. Let's train, let's practice staying on the shoulder. Let's practice not running into each other. And, and what happens? I got a reproof. Again, get out of the middle of the street. <laughs> it's, it's this circle. It's this circle of teaching and training, teaching, teaching him, teaching our kids. And we're to teach our kids the word of God. We're to teach them scripture. This is what we do with this. If we believe this is the breath of God, the word of God, then kids, you should listen to this. You should listen to the Bible. You should care about that mom and dad. We should listen. We should care. We should want to share that with our children. We should be wanting to teach them these things. Then we see that Scripture is sufficient. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. It's able to make us complete, full, adequate. It has everything that we need. To live a godly, righteous life pleasing to god um there there is no end of um other books I love books I'm, I'm, i i'm I love books but don't love reading It's a really weird thing um it's kind of a it's kind of trouble my wife says i can't buy more books till I read all my books um so I, I don't know what that says about myself, but I definitely have more books than I've read uh and there's a lot of good books out there. There's a lot of good books that teach us a lot of things, a lot of good books telling us about the Bible and teaching us about the Bible, but uh, at the end of the day, we don't need them. We don't need them. We've got the Word of God, and it's adequate. It's it's enough. Uh, I, I view myself as a little slow, so I like to get other books to help me understand this book. Um, that's usually the books I buy is explaining this one to me better. Um, so it's it's able to teach us. Now, you hear this, and you might go, well, how do I do this teaching? How do I teach the scripture? And that could sound intimidating because you're going, you know, I, I didn't go to Bible college or seminary. Uh, you know, you want me to teach this? And uh, you might might feel kind of how you did when you had your first child, for those of you that have had a kid. It, it's cool when you're in the hospital after having the first child. Like, there's trained help there. They know what to do. Like, you're not worried. Like, there's doctors and nurses everywhere. They do this all day. It's good. And then comes this day where they say, it's time for you to go home because your insurance isn't going to pay for anymore. <laughs> And you're like, I don't think that's a good idea. Like, I've never had one of these. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm not trained. For, like, where's the manual? Like, do you have a video I'm supposed to watch? Like, then they just kick you out with this small child? And uh, I was extra behind the curve. My wife, a little less concerned. She's been a teacher with kindergartners, and she likes little kids. And you know, I think the last baby I'd held before that last name was Bosler so I like I'm not one to hold babies I won't say which one it was because you know don't want to embarrass anyone here uh I don't know that he's here though so it might have been uh so I didn't have a lot of training with babies and things like that so I was scared to go home I was afraid to go maybe that's how you feel about teaching the word and training your kids in the word like I don't know how to do this what do I do Uh, You know, I'm at church. Yeah, That's that's why we come here. There's trained professionals here. Teach my kids the Bible. I love teaching kids the Bible. I love teaching the youth the Bible. That's fantastic, but they got to go home. I'm not going to keep them forever. I love them, but I'm not going to keep them forever. I'm going to send them home. I kick them out of my house sometimes, and it's like, it's too late now. Go home. Uh, Love having them, but they go home, and when they're at home, it's your job mom, dad, even grandma, grandpa. It's your job to be teaching them the word, to be training them. So how do you do this? It's scary, I know. It's, it's, It's frightening, it can be. I encourage you just to start, just like you did when you go home from the hospital that first day. You do it. You love your child. What do they need? You start, you just start doing it, and then you keep doing it. Continue doing it. Don't stop doing it. Don't give up. You know, I know you just changed 500th diaper today. There's going to be another one. (laughs) Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Don't give up. Keep telling your kid to get out of the middle street. Keep pointing them to God's word. Keep training them. Keep calling them. I encourage you, start early. Mom and dad's here in the room that have young kids, start early. If you're sitting in this room and that ship sailed and you're like, it's too late for early, oh, well, start now. Just start. Go. Do it. And do it often. When I think of training kids and what that looks like in the home, again, there's not that magical training manual that I wanted when I went home from the hospital that said, you know, like, okay, your kid's doing this, you know, that means, oh, hungry. Okay, um, you, you don't get that. You didn't. You didn't come with that. But I, I think of Deuteronomy six four. Deuteronomy six four. Know it, love it, underline it, highlight it. it tells us hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them. and Listen to this part, verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your home and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be on your frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. How do we do this? We do it, and we do it often. We talk about God, and we talk about God often. Grandparents, again, this is you. When you're with your grandkids, parents, make opportunity to talk with your kids, with your wife about God, whether it's at the dinner table, when you read a proverb, And you talk about, are you going to understand all of it? No, I don't understand all of it. That's why I buy all the books. We study. We thank you. We don't have to have all the answers. Read it. Talk about about the parts you know, not the parts you don't know. Encourage that. Talk while you're out on a walk, while you're walking, especially older parents. I'm going to give a secret away here. Uh, When you're driving in the car, it's a great time to talk. Great time to talk when you're driving in the car. Pray when you go to bed. When you get up in the morning, read a psalm with the family. When you work around the house, talk about these things. Pick a verse for your kids to memorize, and then talk about it. Maybe your kids in Awana and they're learning verses. I got little guys learning little verses, you know. Right now, Genesis one one: In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We're doing that. My kid loves it. Cool. We're driving yesterday, and I go. What's the verse? God created the heavens and the earth. Cool. What's created me? God created me? I don't know. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about that again. Start talking about it. Then I'm driving. I'm like, what's heavens mean? I don't know. (laughs) All right, let's talk about that. I'm like, oh, heck, earth? Nope, don't know that one either, Dad. (laughs) All right, we'll talk about that. And we talk. And we're looking. God created everything. That's what this means. God created everything. And you're not going to be perfect. You know, last yesterday, my son said, "God created cars." I'm like, well, no, God created man and made us smart and into you know. You know, the brainer looks at me and goes, "Just say yes. We'll clear it up later." <laughs> yes, God created cars. We'll straighten you out later. <laughs> We're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. But talk, engage, talk about God. Talk about the things God's doing, the things God's done, the things God's done in your life. Oh, what you're hoping for, what you're praying for as a family. Do this and do this often. Kids, ask your parents about God. Talk to them. Stump them. I love when my kids ask me about God. It, it, it forces them to talk to you too because they can't say no. I've had that happen sometimes. I get home late and my kids are like, read me a Bible story. It's like, what are you going to do? Like, I don't want it. Okay, fine. Can't say no to that one. Ask your parents about God. Ask them to read you a Bible passage. Ask them to pray with you. It's pretty hard to say no. (laughs) Parents, again, talk to your kids about God. Look at the word with your kids. Do it a lot. So this is what the word is and really kind of what it does. Now I want us to look backwards. I want us us to go backwards, take a step back to verse 14 now. I went out of order, a little different here, but I, I thought it important to start with what the Word is and kind of what it does and what it's doing. Uh, So now let's back up and look at verse 14, which tells us, But as for you, Timothy, writing to Paul, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So as I point you back, that first thing we see is continue. That's the word that jumps out at me. Keep doing it. Even when you don't see fruit, even when we're frustrated, we continue. We push on. This isn't short-term investment. This isn't short-term game that we're playing. This is long-term. We want to keep making investments into our children, into our grandchildren investing the word of God and talking to them about it and praying with them, engaging with them over and over and over. Even though sometimes it might feel like we're banging our heads against the wall, not getting through, they're not hearing me, they're not listening to me, they don't care. We love them, so we continue to do this. And then I love the whom that we see in verse 14. Continue in what you have learned and firmly believed knowing from whom. Now, whom there is a plural whom, which doesn't translate well into English. Whoms just sounds funny. Um, so we have whom, but it's plural. And Paul's referring back to Genesis, or not Genesis, that's way too far back. He didn't go that far back. He went to Second t- Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. And he's talking about Timothy's grandmother and mother. He says, remember whom you learned it from. Th- this is what I'm talking about. This is a discipleship through the word. This is what his mother was doing and his grandmother was doing, was teaching him from infancy, from a young age, the scriptures, the word of God. And, and Paul calls to their recollection. Remember how they, who they were, their manner of life, how they walked. Mom, dad, grandparents, you have great influence. You have a great opportunity to teach God's word to your, your kids, to your grandkids. You have a great opportunity. I- I'm I'm humbled to get to be part of that whom because I believe that whom there is also Paul. I believe it's Grandma, uh, Mom, and I believe Paul's lumped into that too as Paul's a disciple or a discipler of Timothy. Uh, so I'm I'm humbled to get to be a whom of many people as I look at, it. and that's it's humbling and it's also very sobering. Because I know as I read that and you go, Man, they're gonna look to my life. Life's kinda messed up. Not perfect. Make mistakes. Screw up all the time. And that's true. Your kids do, they see how you live. My kids see how I live. They see when I lose my temper. They see when I make bad choices. They they know dad's not perfect. (laughs) Even already, they're smart. But as your children see you living, they're going to understand and they're going to see what's truly important to you, what you truly believe by how you live. You're you're showing them if you believe God's word to be true or not by the way that you live, by the way that you uh, engage in life, by the way that you treat your spouse, by the way that you go to work, by the way that you engage with your children. These all speak to those around you, especially your children, what you believe. And this can build a very solid conviction in a child. This can make them strong and encourage them as they look back and they remember mom and dad and how mom and dad were faithful to the word of God and believed the word and lived the word of God. But it can also cause much doubt for them to overcome. I want to encourage you, put out of your mind perfection, okay? Because I know that's what we're all worried about. They're going to see my mistakes. Yeah, they're going to see our mistakes. Part of living together. But even when you study the Bible and you look at the Bible, there was only only one perfect person ever shown in the Bible. There was a lot of really screwed up people in the Bible. Like you look at Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Like they did bonehead stuff. Like they did some pretty embarrassing stuff that you look at and you're like, that's pretty unacceptable. But we see it. And we're okay with it. Because we see that God's working in us. God's changing us. God's growing us. And in fact, as I look at that, I believe when people see our flaws and our mistakes and see how we work through them in a godly manner, seeking repentance, seeking to grow, that speaks volumes of what we truly believe. Your kids aren't looking for perfect. They're looking for consistent. Remember from whom you learned it. From childhood, you were acquainted with the sacred writings. And what do these do? They make us wise to salvation through Jesus Christ. And isn't that our hope? Isn't that our prayer for our children? Like, do we want them to be happy? Sure. Do we want them to be healthy? Sure. Do we want them to be successful? Sure. Would we rather them be sick, poor, broke, and unhappy, but know and love God? Absolutely. That's the ultimate priority and desire of a parent's heart. So this is why we must be acquainting them with the scriptures. So parents, your job, acquaint your your children with the scriptures. Show them God's word. Show them often. Show them by looking at it together, by talking about it, by living it, by doing it, by, by training them, teaching them. Reprove them. Teach them. Train them. Do it again. And again. And again. Kids, learn from your parents. We've got the kids in here today, too. I know you're here. see you. Learn from your parents. Learn the good stuff. Learn the bad stuff. Not to do it. Take the good. Leave the bad. Listen to your parents. Obey them. Listen as they teach you scriptures. They teach you about God. And remember what they say. Proverbs, that's... That's what we see all the problems. Remember your father's teaching. Do not forsake your mother's instruction over and over and over again. Be wise, young people. Listen to your parents because they want the best for you. They want good for you. No parent wants bad for their kids. No parent's out there going, oh, I hope my kid screws up. No way, ever. Trust your parent. Listen to your parent. Remember what they have. So, this is my encouragement for you guys as we celebrate Reformation Sunday. God's word is so important because it is God's word breathed out to us. It's authoritative, and we need to be looking at it. We need to be discipling ourselves and our families under the word of God, doing it often. We pray for it. God, I thank you so much for your word and the instruction that we find in it. God, I thank you that you have given us everything that we need to be able to live lives in righteousness, to be equipped for doing every good work, God, that you have set up for us. God, I pray that we would love our children well, that we would love our grandchildren well, we would love our spouses well, and we would love you well, God, and then that, that would all be reflecting our love for you and how we love our families by discipling them in your word, by opening it, looking at it, talking about it, praying about it, sharing it, talking about it everywhere we go, whether we're sitting, standing, walking, looking for opportunities to talk about who you are and what you've done. God, I pray for parents out here in the uh, congregation today that are struggling today, that are hurting, that are battling. God, to, to teach and to train and to improve to discipline and be tiresome. God, I pray that you would strengthen them. Would give them the sight to look long ways down the road. The love to fight and to keep fighting and to never give up. Keep pointing their children. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much for being here this morning.